program may contain mature subject matter. Discretion is advised. From the Next Level Network of Podcasts and my evil laboratory of dissections. Too much? Eh, probably. But anyways, welcome back to What Works Behind Podcast Zero. And I am your host, Postmortem Paul. And alright, so episode 104, the episode where I'll be reviewing the movie Haunt, is still coming. But this week, I'm doing things a little bit different. You guys know that normally when I do my opening segment, I sometimes will talk about like different movies I've watched, but I'll do like just small blurbs about the movies. I won't actually break them down and, you know, by director and producer and cast and synopsis and all that other stuff. So kind of got me thinking and plus i was just the other day i was having this i don't know flashback in my mind of when i was a kid growing up going into department stores and they would have the bargain bin of movies and i mean what did i bought the terror uh in a bargain bin once uh my first copy of night of the living dead was a two dollar vhs tape um recorded on the slow speed so the quality was even worse but that was how I got Night of the Living Dead for the very first time. And as a matter of fact, I believe it was like Hollywood Classics Presents Night of the Living Dead. And I mean, it wasn't even an actual, like, you know, official release. Was, uh, what was the company's name? Madison Distributing, I think it was, or something like that. And it was like, they were like some knockoff little, like, company that you know well back in vhs tapes back in the day i mean everybody had a vhs tape they were releasing that's why there were so many straight to video movies and stuff like that so anyways thinking about the bargain bins and you know thinking about opening segments of my show and trying to figure out different ways to change up the show a bit i want to start taking the show in different directions and that's when I came up with the idea for Postmortem's Bargain Bin Reviews. And this is obviously Volume 1. It's the first time I'm doing this. Basically, it's going to be like this. Bargain Bin Reviews will be four or five movies, maybe, let's say, that I might have watched within the week or the last two weeks. 
that I'm not going to break them down like, you know, fact for fact, point for point, but just just kind of give a quick uh, reaction to the movies. Most of these movies I watched for the first time. As a matter of fact, I think all of these I watched for the first time this past week. So the the number value that I'll give to it and just like the the comments that I'll give to each of these movies. You got to keep in mind they're my first impressions of these movies. Some of these movies may change. There's movies I grew up with as a kid that you know, I loved them when I was a kid and I watch them now and it's like <laughs> that doesn't hold up well. And then there's other movies that when I was a kid I watched and I was like, "Eh, whatever." And now they're my favorite movies of all time. You know what I mean? So these are the 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 in the next 20 minutes to half hour I'm basically going to be talking about these movies but it's just it'll be quick points with just first reactions. And I mean don't be surprised if some of these movies end up being full reviews later on down the line and things have changed, right? So without further ado, let's start. I'll so you get an idea of what this show is going to be like. So postmortems, bargain bin reviews. And I'm starting off with a movie that was actually released in 2017 uh, called Terrified. It's an Argentinian flick, um, also known by, well, its Spanish title is Alterados. I think I'm saying that right. Anyways, that's how it's spelled. Um, (laughs) But anyways, this was a movie. I've heard about this movie for probably the last two years. It's been on Shudder for a while. And I almost regret not watching this one sooner now because after actually seeing it, it was like, um, hello, <laughs> this movie's fucking awesome. And I, that's the thing. Like, I remember hearing great things and I would see the reviews on Shudder. People would be like, oh my God, this movie's amazing, this and that. And I kept thinking to myself, I was like, I'll get to it one day. I know it's going to be on Shudder for a while, so there's no, there's no rush. And then I watch it, and I'm like, why did I wait so fucking long? (laughs) Really? Like, this movie is so awesome. And, I mean, it's, it's a subtitled movie. It's in Spanish, or, you know, whatever. You gotta read it. You gotta read the, fuck off with, oh, I don't like to read my movies. Well, you're missing out, because this movie is fast-paced, it's original, it has a nice use of special effects, not over like overly done, but just enough. There's some really creepy scenes that like, you know, skin crawling and whatnot, and that's awesome. And there's solid acting. The act there's no bad actors in this movie. And it's got a decent haunting score as well. Um I'm not gonna lie, like I loved it. And I regret not having watched it earlier. And I'm noticing, like, like especially with Shudder, that's one thing that I'm almost actively going out of my way now to watch their exclusives. Because the more I watch the Shudder exclusives, the more I'm loving them. Over the past year, let's see, One Cut of the Dead, Jacob's Wife, Dark and the Wicked, um, Scare Package, Host. Um, I know there's one I'm forgetting somewhere here. Um, Cleansing Hour. Like, so many of these movies have been just really, really solid. And now I can add Terrified to that list. And it's like, uh, Sun. Sun was another one. Um, that, 
these shutter exclusives are actually really good. I yeah, you're gonna have the odd dud here or there, but for the most part, the shutter exclusives are really, really solid. I wish they would put Hogzilla without Joe Bob's commentary, but it's not going to happen, so it is what it is. But um, not saying that I have a problem with Joe Bob's commentary, but I'd like to watch Hogzilla straight through without any interruptions. But whatever, it is what it is. But yeah, so Terrified, I mean, first first impressions, I gave it like an 8 out of 10. I was like, this movie is really good. Um, and again, it's subtitled. Don't bitch about it. Just watch it because it's really, really good. Moving on to next. So, uh, how do I do this? Yeah, let's go with this one next. Bad Candy. Bad Candy is a movie that stars Zach Galligan from Gremlins and Corey Taylor of Slipknot. And it's um anthology film. And it just was released. Okay, so it was what? September... September 12th? No, September 10th in the theater, September 14th on demand, if I remember correctly. Anyways, I saw it on demand. Um, It wasn't released in theaters here in Windsor, Ontario. So, you know, I do what I got to do and watched it on demand. And I'll say this. Okay, so in terms of anthology films, this movie... uh, Keep in mind, first impressions, right? So... Better production quality than, say, a movie like Cradle of Fear. And Cradle of Fear has very much that soap opera look to it. This has better production quality than that, but still, the thing is, is that I watch this movie and I'm thinking to myself, okay, it was filmed in Georgia. Somewhere in Georgia, there's a spirit Halloween that made a lot of money one day because they must have walked in there and bought the place out. Um, the sets are awesome in this movie. But very Halloween. Like, you you don't watch this movie and go, does it take place at Halloween? Like, is it like the movie, like, Trick or Treat from 1986, where it's like, we know there's a Halloween dance, but there's really no Halloween look to the movie? No, you're not questioning that with this movie. This movie is, it is very Halloween-esque in terms of aesthetics. Um... The thing is, is that with this movie, it it feels like it's trying to be the next Trick or Treat. And I'm talking Trick or Treat from 2007, that great anthology flick with, you know, cute little Sam and how all the stories were kind of wrapped around and tied into each other. This kind of tries to do that as well. Um, Probably more on par with like... I say Candy Corn, even though Candy Corn technically isn't an anthology film, but... It's got like that Halloween vibe to it. This ha- and it's corny, and this is corny, but not as corny. Um, and well, let's see what other ones like Ten Thirty One. I've always preferred Part One over Part Two, but this I I, I prefer Ten Thirty One over this. Now, I will say this. Okay, so Zach Galligan is in this. Right, and you're thinking Gremlins. You're thinking, ooh, Gremlins was a blockbuster hit. He was in, you know, Gremlins too. He was in the Waxwork films. You're thinking, you know, in terms of B movies and horror movies, it's a pretty big name, right? And he's he gets he has a lot of followers on social media and stuff. Well, the problem is, is that he's underused. So even though you would think he would be top billing actor, I gotta say that goes to Corey Taylor. 
of Slipknot, you know, a musician. But don't get me wrong, just because he's a musician doesn't mean he can't act. Corey Taylor is actually kind of cool. And the whole premise with this movie is is that the two of them, Zach Gallagher and Corey Taylor, are two radio DJs that people are calling in to their, their radio station and saying, tell me a story. And Corey Taylor's character, Chili Billy, um, is basically telling these stories. And as he's telling them, we're seeing the visuals for him. Um, I, like I said, I love the aesthetics. I love, um, the stories with anthology films. I mean, most of the time you get a lot more hits than misses in some cases like trick or treat, for example, all of them are a hit. This one has more hits than misses. I will say that. Um, and the effects, the, the special effects in the movie, they're bloody, they're gory, they're fun. Um, some of them, <laughs> you could tell they're a little cheesy, but props props to the the creators of this movie for um, sticking with practical effects. There's a bit of CGI, but not a lot. It, this is primarily a practical effect movie, and that right there also makes it worth the view. Um, I mean, I'm not going to lie. like It's definitely worth checking out. I, I recommend it at least once maybe even twice, um, some people will actually really enjoy this movie. So I don't want to, I'm, I'm not going to knock it down, right? Like it's, it's, it's a solid, I'd say it's like a five jack-o'-lanterns out of 10. Like it's, it's it, there, you know what I mean? It's not a bad movie. It's not a great movie. If you want the better anthologies for Halloween, obviously you go to Trick or Treat, um, Tales of Halloween, the the first 1031 film um you know you you go in that direction but this is not a bad one i i it ironically it, the name of the movie is bad candy but it's not a bad it's it's it'll it'll do wonders for your sweet tooth let's i'm trying to think of something cool to say to that and it's not working i will say this though there's a creepy clown that kind of ties all the stories together he's kind of in all of them and whatnot sort of like art the clown was in all hallows eve um the creepy clown in this one he's he's pretty solid i'm not gonna lie i had a nice uh, smile on my face when he was he's creepy it works um Okay, so moving on past bad candy, like I said, it's about a five out of ten. It, I I recommend it. Watch it at least once. Moving on to okay, so not talking about the movies in this review, but I've been sort of going back and each night knocking off one of the Saw movies because for some reason I'm just in the mood for those movies. It probably would have something to do with the fact that I recently took in the latest James Wan film. Malignant. Yes, 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 and more yes. This is an awesome movie. Malignant is, pardon the expression, is fucking great. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not gonna lie. This movie, I don't think it knows what genre it wants to be, and I love it for it. Um, because it's, it's like, Take a bit of Hennenlauter, Frank Hennenlauter. Take a bit of his spoilers. Okay, so yeah, I'm gonna put this out there right now. This a lot. The mainstream is looking at *Malignant* as being 
something new. It's groundbreaking. If you have been watching horror movies for a long time and you are a fan of low-budget B-movies, you will see a lot of things in this movie you've seen before. You will not hate this movie for it. Uh, because this movie is like a hybrid cross. It's like taking like Lauder's basket case, mixing it with like the popping colors of like a great Italian giallo, and then some batshit crazy 80s practical special effects um, within a sizable budget. I mean, like, this is not your low-budget flick. Um, the fr- In this movie, is sort of like two halves. You have the first half that is good. It keeps your interest. It's building up. It's setting all its pieces in place. And then you have the second half of this movie where it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's awesome. This movie is so much fun. Um, I have to give my hat, uh, tip my hat to Annabelle Wallace as well, who she was in the Annabelle, uh, the first Annabelle film with, uh, you know, James Wan produced that film and whatnot. She plays the character of Madison in this movie. She is awesome. So awesome in this movie. The special effects in this movie are just wonderful. Oh, and there is the whole scene when um, Madison's care, like Madison, is in jail. I'm not. I'm not going to tell you why or anything. I'm just going to say she's in jail. And when you get to that point in the movie, just know that everything you're going to see after that is just going to put the biggest smile on your face. So this one, I'm not going to lie. I watched this digitally. I watched it on the internet, and the second the movie was done, the first words out of my mouth were, this one's getting added to the physical con- collection, for sure. Release day. Uh, <laughs> like this, We need more movies like this. And like I said, to the mainstream, like, you know, I'm reading like Variety Magazine and Cineblend and stuff like that. They're, they're writing these articles like, oh my god, James Wan has brought the game changer. But the thing is, is that... Those of us who are, I don't want to sound arrogant when I say this, but seasoned veterans of the genre, right? We've seen a lot of this stuff before. It's just we've never seen it brought onto a mainstream screen, you know, and James Wan basically, you can tell like he's doing this. This is a, this is a passion project. This is a love letter to movies that have obviously influenced him. You will definitely get a basket case feeling from this. Um, but so, but so, I guess done so much more legitimately, if that's possible. Like I mean, like Frank Henenlotter brought a lot of love to that first movie, but Malignant is just that great, and it's so worth talking about. Um, so yeah, I I, I definitely have to tip my hat to James Wan and Annabelle Wallace. Um, it's it's such a wonderful film. And now I'm going to kind of change gears a little bit here. And because where Malignant is definitely not for kids, this next movie I'm going to talk about is for kids. And that is something that needs to be remembered. Netflix recently uh, released, I believe it was last Thursday or Friday. I can't remember the exact date. But anyways, there was a, a movie came out called Nightbooks. 
It's based off of the writings of J.A. White. And, I mean, a lot of people got pulled into watching this because Kristen Ritter is the top billing actress in it. <laughs> the names that got my attention were Rob Tapper and Sam Raimi. And I was like, ooh. Uh, those guys, um, they gave us the Evil Dead along with Bruce Campbell. So, uh, yeah, that, I was like, I need to see this. Um, and I, I, I went into it knowing what it is. It's, it's a gateway horror flick for kids. As an adult, no, it's not scary. Uh, for kids, ah, there's some creepy moments. I'm sure there's some stuff that, you know, an eight-year-old kid might be like, mm -hmm. uh, that, that, you know, gives me a bit of the creeps. But, yes, so I see Rob Tapper and Sam Raimi's name attached to this, and I'm not going to lie. In terms of, like, just the way the movie is filmed and some of the camera views and whatnot, it definitely has some callbacks to The Evil Dead. And, uh, in terms of like the witch in the movie, um, you get a drag me to hell kind of feel from it. So, um, that being said though, let's please keep this in mind. I'm repeating this again. This is a family movie at heart. It was kind of funny though. Uh, after watching the movie, I saw like, you know, Netflix is promoting it as a family movie. And I actually saw people online going, this isn't a family movie. This is warping the children of America. We need to take this down. And like, there's actually complaints about this movie. I'm like, are you kidding me? I grew up with the fucking never ending story. Okay. Like, I'm sorry, Gamork, that's nightmare fuel. Okay. It's like, stop. We seriously need to stop like being so worried about children. Children can handle a lot of shit. Okay. They can handle it better than most fucking adults for crying out loud. Anyways, basic premise of this movie is, you know, you got this kid, um, loves horror movies, but because he loves horror movies and he loves to write scary stories, he's considered the outcast. Mm, relatable. Uh, anyways, at the very beginning of the movie, he decides he's going to run away from home. You know, he can hear his, his parents are talking in another room and they're saying, you know, he is a weird kid, blah, blah, blah. He feels like a complete outcast. And you can tell he's very upset about this. He decides he's going to run away from home. As he walks out into the hallway of his apartment building, he hears the movie The Lost Boys playing. And he looks into this apartment and he sees The Lost Boys on the TV and there's this piece of pumpkin pie. And that those are two of his favorite things. He gets tempted. He walks into the room and boom, he's trapped. It's a witch's trap to trap him in this apartment. And so the whole thing is, is that every night he's now tripped, but he's been trapped by the witch, which is played by Kristen Ritter. And her whole thing is, is that he has to read her a scary story every night. You find out later on, I'm not going to spoil this part, but you find out later on why she needs the scary stories every night. But anyway, so that's basically how the the movie starts out. And while he's trapped in this apartment, he makes a friend. There's also a CGI cat, which I'm not going to lie. The cat is actually kind of amusing. Um, but yeah, he meets this friend and they have their own adventures in this apartment while they're trying to figure out a way to escape the clutches of the evil witch. And I mean, like, it, this is the thing, like, and I mentioned about the never ending story, this movie in its own way was kind of like mixing the never ending story, uh, the gate. I talked about the gate on this, on this, uh, podcast and it, this is it. There's similarities to that. 
Um, obviously, the whole story of Hansel and Gretel really does play into this, but it feels like a Goosebumps movie, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, there is for us older, like uh, like for the older audience, so a lot of nods and little eggs and posters scattered about of like different horror movies we grew up with as kids. So it's kind of nice. It, it and I'm not gonna lie. I, okay, I love the song Cry Little Sister by Gerard McMahon. It's, you know, the original version from The Lost Boys. The band Churches does a cover for this movie, and I'm not going to lie, it was not horrible. I didn't hate it. It's I, You give me the choice between the original and their version, I'm going to go the original every time. But their version was kind of decent. It wasn't bad. Um I went into this, like I said, I, I knew what I was getting. It's, you know, it's a, it's a family movie. It's a gateway horror film. We need more of these, to be fair. Like, uh, the Goosebumps films, again, they're not bad. Definitely, I'm not the target audience for them, but I can enjoy them. I don't need everything to be, you know, murders or fucking high tension. Like, I, I can enjoy a softer movie with some you know elements of horror to them i mean edward scissorhands is probably one of the greatest tim burton movies he ever released and it's not really a horror flick but it's got some awesome elements of the macabre and that's what this does um the two kids uh winslow fegley and lydia jewett they're really solid, but I do have to say, yes, Kristen Ritter does take the show in this. And I'll be fair, along with the CGI cat, that's basically your four actors for this film. There, There's, there's or four characters, I should say, because the CGI is not an actor, but... Um, <laughs> But it's 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 a good movie. Um, Kristen Ritter, I will say, she's a bit over the top at times, but I think it's meant to be done like that. Uh, she does play the mean witch quite well. Um, there are some people that are going to say, yeah, she's quite hot. I'm not going to disagree. Uh, but, but I mean, the thing is, is that what, what's really good about this is that, especially if you have younger ones, it, this is that kind of movie you can sit down with them and enjoy. Um, as a matter of fact, I did have a few of my friends that do have kids said, you know, they sat down and watched it with, you know, their sons and daughters and their, their kids really enjoyed it. And that's awesome. That's what we need more of. Um, like I said, not everything has to be, you know, French extreme horror here. So, uh, and surprisingly, well, not, I shouldn't say surprising, but I wasn't a huge fan of the movie Brightburn. I thought it was okay, but it, it wasn't something that I was like, oh my God, it's greatest thing ever kind of thing. Uh, Darren Yurofsky, who is the director for Brightburn, he's the director for this. I like this movie a lot. Not saying that Brightburn is bad. There's, there's definitely some enjoyable factors of Brightburn. But I like this one. This one was definitely worth a watch. And again, you know, it's as the mainstream keeps saying, it's spooky season, right? Like those of us who live it every day of the year, well, whatever. But Halloween, you know, this is the time to sit down and watch those movies with your kids and stuff. We had, you know, movies like Secret and Nim, Never Ending Story, Adam's Family and stuff like that. We had those movies. This is for them. Let them enjoy it. I liked it. It was six out of ten for me. Um, 
I'm sure there's some kids that, you know, they'd be like, oh, my God, it, this movie is an eight or a nine. It is a lot of fun for kids. There's some plot points. There's, you know, some of the subplots. You're like, and that's the thing, though. There's not a lot of subplots, which is good. It's kind of a direct story, which is, you know, pretty good. But there are some plot holes in it. I'm not going to lie. But overall, it's it's a fun movie. It, let's put it this way. Coming from Netflix? That's saying something because Netflix is very hit or miss these days. When they when they first came out with their their exclusives, they were banging on all cylinders. Everything they released was gold. I'd say over the last couple of years, it's not the case. This one is a nice exception to the rule. It definitely is a standout standout movie. Six out of ten. And again, if you have kids, watch it with them, enjoy it with them, um, and let yourself be a kid at heart. Don't be so critical of it because I, I read reviews where grown men were crying their fucking asses over this like they were masters of the universe because, oh my God, it's not at my target audience. You know what? Not everything is at your target audience. I recently, this is not part of my reviews. I have one more movie to go, but I'm just going to quickly say the movie Black Christmas that came out in 2019, I did give it a shot. <sighs> I should have known better because yes, I'm not the target audience for that movie. So I, I didn't get, I think I hit the 25 minute mark. I had to turn it off. I see what the movie's trying to do. And I applaud, I applaud them for trying something. The thing is, is it's not meant for me and I didn't care for the acting. I didn't care for the satire in it. I'm not the target audience. The 2019 black Christmas movie is definitely aimed at a younger audience but it has something to say in it that just didn't jive with me that's not to, i'm that's just my opinion you know what i'm saying um and that's the thing like go i think sometimes we go into these movies and we don't pay attention to the target audience nightbooks is aimed at a younger audience we need to accept that me personally, I went in knowing that and I walked away from that movie going, that was better than I thought. Sweet. Or better than I expected, I should say. For my final movie, this one I'm saving for last because, okay, I saw a shit ton of crap comments about this movie when it was released in the theaters, August 27th. And I'll tell you, for the first probably two weeks after this movie came out, I saw more shitty things said about it than I needed to see my whole lifetime. Did that mean I wasn't going to give it a shot? Nope, because I loved the three movies that preceded it. The movie I'm talking about is the 2021, well, technically 2020, just was held back a year because of Cough Cough. The movie I'm talking about is produced by Jordan Peele, directed by Nia DaCosta. Yes, Candyman. Okay. I'm going to start off by saying it will not compete with the 1992 Candyman movie by Bernard Ross. Or Bernard Rose, sorry. That's a classic. You're not going to beat that. I will also say no one is asking it to, okay? That's something I think that a lot of people need to start thinking in terms of remakes, sequels, and whatnot. We're not asking it to be better. 
We're just asking it to be itself. This movie does that. I think this movie is a solid successor. I think... uh, I think the actors in this movie are solid. I think the storyline is effective. And yeah, I know. I Like I said, I heard all the derogatory shit that was said about this movie. I'm also the guy that will tell you I, I, I don't give a shit what bubbleheads on YouTube or IMDb have to say about the movie. Going into it, there, there was a part of me that almost wanted to like the movie before I even saw it just to spite all the shit I had read about it. Um, and then the movie ended up being actually really good. And I was like, okay, I don't have to like it to spite them. I like it because I like it. Um, I am going to try and pronounce his name. Yaha Abdul Mateen second is awesome. His character is Anthony McCoy. He is an artist trying to make it in the big leagues in Chicago, Illinois. Yes, this movie takes place in Chicago. It takes place in Cabrini Green. Yes, again. Um, If you know your Candyman lore, if you have followed the movies, you followed the stories, you if you know what you're getting into, I'm not going to lie, before this movie is done, you will already have it figured out. I love the payoff for it. Um, I had it, I'd say I was probably halfway through the film and I figured out, okay, I think I know where we're going. And I ended up, I was completely right. <laughs> the whole end of the movie I had predicted. And you're, you're sitting there thinking to yourself, predictable film. Why did you like it? Because it's very rewarding. It is a movie that paid attention to the small details. And I love the movie for that. Um, it, I'm not going to lie. I knew the cast ahead of time. There was a specific cast member um, that I knew was in this movie. And I'm not talking about Virginia Madsen or Tony Todd. I'm talking about someone else. That was in the first film that is in this film. That was the tip-off point. Probably if I didn't know that, I might not have caught what was going on. But because of that, it, it did help. So again, like I said, if you really know your Candyman lore and you know that first film really well, which I'm not going to lie, I've probably watched that first movie more than enough times. Most people would probably deem it unhealthy, but I fucking love that first movie. And <laughs> so I, paying attention to the details, it was like, I know what's going on. And I figured it out and I was right. And I was very happy about that. I was actually very happy with the payoff. Um, special effects are good in this movie. Now, it's not as gory as the first film, but there are special effects there. Um, and the film is shot quite well. Again, it the thing is, is that first film was just shot in such a way and it was just beautiful and aesthetically gorgeous and whatnot. This movie is not going to rival that, but again, nobody's asking it to. That being said, it is still shot very nice. Um, the photography is great and it can't hurt to acknowledge that this movie did that right. Um, the musical score. Okay. So the musical score is different. It's a different beast. I'm not opposed to it cause it fits what the story is trying to do. 
I'm not going to lie, I might have shed a little bit of a tear when the end credits are rolling and we actually hear hints from Philip Glass's original score from the 1992 movie. That made me happy. I was like, oh, you guys didn't forget it. It was awesome. I loved it. Um, so, I mean, it, the direction was good in this too. Uh, Nia DaCosta does a great job with it. I like some of like the visuals, how like when they're telling flashback scenes, it looks almost like a, like a marionette puppet kind of story and stuff like that. It was really cool. Um, the, the topic that, that comes with this movie is the social commentary. And yes, it's a 91 minute runtime for this movie. And within that 91 minutes, there is some social commentary. I would like to point out that you would have to be a daft freaking moron to have not realized that the same kind of topics were also in the original 1992 movie. Yes, I know. We, uh, we hear them talking about, you know, certain topics in this new movie. And right away, I saw shit online about this is a Black Lives Matter movie, and this is some propaganda movie, and this is some bullshit racist movie. Fuck you. No, it is not. It has elements that are needed there to tell the fucking story. I'm sorry, did you not watch the first movie? The first movie, how does Candyman come to be? Oh, I'm sorry. He was a black man who fell in love with a white woman and she got pregnant and all the white people killed him. They cut his fucking hand off and covered him in honey and the bees stung him to death. Come on. Did you not catch the social commentary in the first fucking movie? What's wrong with you? Not to mention it took place in Cabrini Green. Do your do some his do some check uh, like history checks on what Cabrini Green is. Like you have to be completely thick as shit to have not realized that yes, the original story has social tones to it. Fuck Clive Barker's story, The Forbidden, which takes place in the UK. It's not even in Chicago. Had social tones to it. Like I'm sorry, this is nothing new. This is not, all of a sudden, what, because that was the topic of the time in the media, all of a sudden that's what you assumed was the reason for this movie? I get it. You know, some people, they don't like Jordan Peele films. Okay, fine, whatever. I'm not going to lie. Get Out. I like it. I don't love it. His movie Us. (laughs) The more times I've watched it, the more I've actually loved it each time because I catch more to it. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Oh, shit, that's not like there's so much watching us over and over is actually fun because there's always something you miss the last time you'll catch the next time. And I love him for that. This here. okay, he's only producing, but still this movie's fucking good. And what we don't like movies where it's a black cast. Like, seriously, be racist somewhere else. Okay. I saw so many ignorant comments, well, comments that were made ignorantly. And what I mean by that is you see people who haven't even seen the movie going, oh, it's all just some social commentary bullshit, social justice warrior shit. Um, You didn't watch the movie then because there's actually a bigger story going on in the movie that revolves around Anthony McCoy and his relevance to the Candyman story. There's also more about the Candyman mythos. They've expanded on that. I don't know. I saw some people bitching about, Tony Todd's not even in the movie. He's in one small little cameo. Um, okay. 
but this wasn't his movie. He was asked to come in, and the thing is, is that they're expanding on his character. It was awesome. I love what I loved the mythology behind it. Once I saw where it was going, it's like, oh wow, that's fucking clever. That is actually a really good idea. Um, but yeah, let, let's go on YouTube and listen to people bitch about this movie. Let's read the comments on IMDb. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe too while you're at it. I, I, the thing is, is I, I didn't want this to be a rant about the movie because I, there's a lot to love about this movie, and that's the thing. Um, like I said, the effects are great. The acting's great. The story, the the expanding on the the mythology and everything. It, there's so much good about this movie. I'm not going to let like some shitty comments online because, oh, we didn't like that. You know, we made a, a bit of commentary about the real world. Well, I'm sorry, but you obviously didn't watch the first three films that all did the exact same thing. And I'm even including Candyman Day of the Dead, which was a straight to video fucking movie. It didn't even see a theater screen um, <laughs> and try finding it on Blu-ray. Um, there's a version, uh, German label, but there is a Blu-ray version out there. But anyways, overall, in terms of this Candyman movie, I enjoyed the shit out of it. I thought it was really good. The expansion on the story, the attention that was paid uh, to the details and whatnot, everything was done very well. It's not better than the original. I'm not going to say it is. But it's still, I it's easily a six or a seven out of ten. Like it's not, this is not a bad movie. That original movie is a nine or ten, depending on how much you actually really love that film. But this one, there, there, there's nothing bad about this movie. This is a good flick. Is there some plot holes? Yeah, okay, whatever. There's plot holes in every fucking movie. I, the Godfather has plot holes. Okay, I'm sorry. As much as people are like, oh no. You know, that's a perfect movie. No, it's not. There's there's things you can pick out. Every movie has that. Um, so, yeah. I My initial reaction was this was a 6 out of 10. Even the more I, I talk about it and think about it, I'd probably bump it to a 7. So, again, worth watching. Ignore the derogatory comments ignore the bullshit that was online and make your own opinion now if you walk away i'm not saying you're gonna love it you may walk away from it going nah that movie's not for me that's cool there is nothing wrong with not liking the movie but if you are just going to go based on reviews and not even give the movie a chance and say, well, this movie's shit and it's racist and it's this and it's that, then you have no clue what you're talking about and your points to the conversation are invalid. And that's that. That's it. The show's over, kids. Um, I know, I said this was going to be about 20 minutes to a half hour and it ran a little bit longer. But this is basically how it's going to go. Um, so whenever I do the bargain bin reviews, this is how it'll be. I'm going to talk brief little points. I'm not going to go into full, you know, disclosure of all the names and synopsises and stuff like that. It's just uh, quick blurbs, uh, how I feel about movies and stuff like that. Um, I will say the next episode will be the haunt review, so that is coming. Um, just uh, trying to work on some things for that one. It's uh, 
proven to be a little bit trickier than I thought it would be because you guys know I like to add sound bites and stuff like that, and I'm having a hard time finding the right sound bites. <laughs> Which is like, you're like, well, really, Paul? Like, you don't have to copyright infringe everything. You could just release the fucking show without the sound bites, but I need sound bites. Okay, they have to be there. And plus, I found a few extra interviews I want to watch and stuff. So. The, the, the movie, the review for Haunt will be soon. But until then, this is your weekly episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I am, By the way, make sure to let me know what you think of some of these different episodes. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not, not going to spoil too much about my Halloween special that I have prepared, but it's going to be something that I will also do Uh, more frequently in the show as well so on that note thank you for listening thank you for tuning in thank you for following on social media make sure to like and subscribe no um (laughs) i've had a thing lately about that where i've really noticed that like every video i watch or every post i see on social media it's the same thing over and over where people are like make sure to like and subscribe and hit that button and hit that click and this and it's like is this really what we become people like really like it's like yeah i and and it's not just like i i I don't want to make it sound like i'm just aiming at like youtube accounts and like podcasts and stuff like i mean i've seen like people on their their own you know personal accounts like posting pictures of themselves and tell your friends about me why (laughs) i don't get it i don't understand the social media world i i know i'm an old man i don't fit in but um i just i don't get it but i mean make sure to like and subscribe on facebook and instagram okay no i'm you don't have to if you don't want to (laughs) do what you want do you okay that's how it should be do you um, but I mean, yes, this, the podcast can be found on Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, and the works. And yes, it's on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all that fun stuff. But at this point, I figure you guys know that by now. You, if let's put it this way, if you're tuning in, you found it somehow, and you did it on your own, and you didn't need me to to tell you what to do. So, I think that's the thing. Like. When, when I see, make sure to like and subscribe. It's like, don't tell me what to do. Because when you start saying that shit, I'm not going to do it. Like, but, yeah, I'm a spiteful little prick. Anyways, thank you for uh, tuning in. That's that. It's the end of the show. Even though this isn't technically the normal kind of show. Yeah, I'm going to let the guys do what they do best to finish off this show. So, Al and Bill, have fun. You need to shut the fuck up. Hey, lick my plate, you dog dick! <laughs>